Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Alfa Romeo Driver Podcast, brought to you by the Alfa Romeo Owners Club. I'm Guy Swarbrick and today we'll be talking to Chris McDonald, the club's 159 registrar. This podcast was originally recorded just before the current issue hit your doormats, so when Chris talks about things that are going to be in his next registro Ricambi column, you already have them. So without further ado, let's get on with the show. Chris, welcome to the podcast. Hi Guy, thanks very much for this and hi everyone. Just to start at the beginning, when when did you first become interested in, in Alfa Romeo? Well, my dad has always kind of worked in dealerships, if you like. And I remember from a very young age, there was a certain salesman who may end up listening to this, which is quite surreal, um, who had a 916 GTV 3-litre V6 in Sargrassi Green with the tan leather material. That's how much I can remember the car. And I always remember it. Now, it was just... Something about it that I liked, I don't know why, it just stuck in my brain. Years and years later, my dad, the branch was a Fiat branch, he got promoted and we ended up him moving to a bigger branch in Edinburgh, which most people, if they are from up this direction, will know the certain branch. And he was put in charge of the service department, Fiat and Alfa Romeo. So I used to go with him every single weekend to his work because one, it was full of cars and two, it was five minutes from my football team so I basically went there every single weekend and I was there to mid-afternoon so filled with Fiat's filled with Alfa Romeo's and I think that's just where I got the bug from and years later after I was driving my daughter was born I needed a bigger car and my first Alfa out of seven was a 156 a 18 twin spark and I ended up doing the usual, putting a wheel tail on it, respraying the car, which anybody that knows me will know I do it to most cars. But I loved that thing and ended up in the scrapper not long after I got rid of it. We're going to talk about your current and probably most famous car on social media later on. Um, <laughs> but be between that and the, the first one, what else did you have? I have had the 156. I then swapped it to a P-registration uh, 916 GTV, which is the only one of the three GTVs that I've had that is actually still going. Um, and it was probably about seven years ago that I got rid of that. I've had that, I had a phase one, a phase two, and a phase three. Now, more or less, the phase one was the only car that was in one piece when they got it. The phase two, the phase three, both the bottom ends had gone. I put engines in the two of them and more or less fixed them, painted them and used them. I've had a 166, uh, which I had very briefly, and I've had two 159s. So that's a bit about your, <clears throat> your ownership history. When did you get involved with the club and, and how did that come about? I've been obviously a member of Alpha Owners clubs such as Alpha Owner um, and then leads on to obviously when Facebook kicks in and we all know the Alphabook story with myself. After that, I got to know Owen and James, a few other, other 159 guys. And at the time, Owen was the actual 159 registrar. So I joined up and maybe six months, seven months later, Owen uh, decided obviously it was time for him to give it up. And I thought, I'll, I'll put in for it, see what happens. And more or less, I've been doing the registrar now for about two years. So I've opened my eyes a lot uh, and I've thoroughly enjoyed it. So is it a requirement for the um, 
the 159 registrar to have a, a resprayed car with a, a box on the roof. <laughs> I think, to be honest, it was Owen that uh, inspired me for the box. Uh, I know he used to kind of have it on for shows and then take it off. I don't want to scratch it because the paintwork on it's a fortune. <laughs> so I just leave it on. Plus, it's different. It annoys people. People like it. So I just, I just leave it on. It's part of the character. And it's a bit more subtle than his yellow one was anyway. Yeah, just a little bit, yeah. We spoke to Carol Corliss in an earlier episode. She looks after the pre-war register where you know a lot of the activity is about keeping track of individual cars and establishing their provenance and stuff. And if you then go through to the current models, the Julia and the uh, Stelvio, the registrars really focused on building a new community around a new car and you know, reassuring people that the little niggles they're having with their car are the same that everybody else is having. It's not unique to, to their example. And the 159 registrar, I guess, is somewhere in between those two. So where do you think it is and what do you think your role is? Well, obviously, being the registrar, it's, I've got the same kind of role as every other one you stay in touch with all your members uh, anyone that's needing help you want to be the first person there to be able to give them an answer whether you can give them the answer or not at least you've got to know someone that knows the answer or that you can put them on to that may be able to help them um, you're there to help people with the, the, the type of car it's exactly what members want that's what they pay their membership fee for and I think when they're all younger if you went on to somewhere and you asked a question, you'd love someone to be able to just give you the answer there and then. So that's what I try to be. Obviously, I try to recruit as many new members as possible. With the 159, it's a bit of a strange one at the moment because the cars are getting so cheap and there's a lot of new owners that always wanted an Alpha and they see the 159 and you're getting them now for, I've seen them going for £500, um, which makes me cringe. But we're getting a lot of new owners uh, a lot of people joining, wanting to see what's what's the big thing with Alphas, wanting to get their, their taste, like Jeremy Clarkson always says. Um, so we've got that. There's the modified scene, which people like myself, they've grew up, they've modified cars, they want to get a normal run-of-the-mill car and don't touch it <laughs> and end up changing it because it is so changeable. Um, you've got... The people that want to do it the way that Alpha should uh, said that it should leave the factory never has to change. So we've got a wide variety: young, middle-aged, old. It doesn't matter. There's wide, wide varieties um, of people in the one five register. So it's trying to cater to every single one of them. It's trying to build that community, as I've said. I want to be the point of contact for anyone that does have a question and I get emails in and I love to answer. Um, obviously, bodywork is a big part of what I do. Um, so I love to get the bodywork questions. I know of one company getting a roof, a front end and a back end. <laughs> so that's a, that's a completely different story. But it's it's just trying to cater for everyone. That That's what I think the register is, keeping track of it because some of these rare cars like Nick's car, as you said in one of the previous podcasts. It is a rare car, and eventually they're going to start to disappear. We want to know where they are at all times. Um, so that's more or less what I'm trying to do with the register. We were talking with Ian Chester, the Brera registrar, probably a year ago now, about doing a buyer's guide for the 939 series, the 159, the Brera and the Spider. We were going to look at a lot of the common issues and, and ones unique to each model. Do you think there's still value in doing that or with prices as low as £500, do you think the moment's passed? I think there is. I think it's good to have one 
because obviously Brera still hold their money to a certain degree. Some of the, the good one five things, obviously when people go in, if they want a top of the range spec, they go for the TI and there is that need to know. Now, if someone goes in and buys a 159, you've got front subframe issues. I've lost track how many times I've written in the magazine about rust. Rust, rust, rust. Front subframes, the bodywork is starting to go. Sadly, I think they're going to be on par with the 156s. Um, so it does need kind of fixing now. So I think being able to educate people that way would be a great idea. So I think a buyer's guide for all three would would tie in nicely and obviously i mean i've had two 939 spiders and a 159 sport wagon so i'm i'm a big fan of the of the styling as it came from the factory but as you said the the cars do lend themselves quite well to modifying don't they so with the 159 there is a massive variety of things that can be done i think it all really started with ga with the halo headlights um all those years ago and that really appealed to me that was one of the only things I wanted. Now, when I got my first 159, which didn't stay on the road very long, sadly, I'd done the 159 uh, halo headlamps from Jay. Uh, I got them. Now, being the bodywork man, um, I knew that the Brera bumper fitted, and I got a chance of one, so I took it. So that was all I wanted to do. But there's so, so much, and I, I caught the bug. Um, but there is, there's so many different body kits. You've got... Obviously, interior mods. A lot of people are doing the carbon fibre thing in the inside, out, outsides, other bits and bobs like that. So you've got the new Julia kit from Paris 5 Garage. A lot of people are wanting to go for that, but at three and a half, four thousand pounds 4000 I think it's a bit extreme in cost, if I'm honest. Um, about the cost of five 159s. More or less, yeah. Um, there is... A lot of tuning capabilities with the 159s as well. And I think that's why they've taken off so much. The 2.4, obviously, you've got 200 brake or 210 brake straight out of the packet. So a lot of people are going fantastic. Diesels, as we all know, are very, very tunable. So people are going away and spending big, big money on these things. And they're turning 1.9s, 150 brake. We're pushing 300 brake plus now from them. Um, 2.4s, I dare say before long, we may see one possibly hitting 400. Don't know, but we'll just have to wait and see. So, yeah, there's a lot of people coming on board with the 159s that are coming on for that reason. And obviously, we try to cater to them as well. And your own car, the, the second one, has been on a, a bit of a journey as well, hasn't it? Tell, tell us what you've done to that one. Yes, you could say that, yeah. As I said, it was meant to just be buy, don't touch, it's a TI. It'll be fine. Um, so got it, and obviously I fitted my bumper, I fitted my headlights. I was happy. Then I wanted the intercooler. Then I managed to come across a front Leicester spoiler in an auction place. Didn't know what it was worth. I managed to buy two for 20 quid, so that went on. Then, me being me, things kind of went a bit past it. I, I started with, obviously, trying to get a hold of the roof box owns influence there um, so there was that I got wizard tailpipes changed bits and bobs of the exhaust I got some airbrush work done under the bonnet air filters map sensors math sensors hybrid turbos doing all that obviously the power gets a bit much I had to put the bigger end casing on the gearbox full race clutch solid flywheel I've got a quaff differential I've got the list goes on and on if I'm honest I've actually 
lost count of what's been done to the car. I've got it all written down somewhere, but I done the wise thing and stopped collecting my receipts. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably the best thing to say. But yeah, it's it's my car. That's the way I look at it. And I know some of the things I do it. People don't like. Some people do. Some people eagerly watch what I'm doing, which I find very, very strange because to me it's just my car. But people like it. People don't. I'm not really fussed if I'm honest. I just I, sometimes I, I think I possibly do do it for a reaction. But <laughs> uh, obviously the respray was probably the biggest part of it. Uh, but I got in friends with the owner of Style Italia, um, who you know yourself, guy. Obviously does great products. I use Otto Alpha Shop, a wide variety of people, if I'm honest. And there's so many people I could thank for helping me with the car, for helping me build the car. I just, <laughs> it's just got a mind of its own, I'm afraid. It's 100% original, and by 100%, I mean the fuel gauge is 100% original. Yes. <laughs> well, to be fair, the interior of the car, I like the interior of the car. I've not touched that, bar the stereo. Inside is as Alpha intended. And, and is it finished yet, or is that a daft question? That's probably a daft question. Um, I have managed to get a hold of a very rare Auto Delta Brera front bumper, which you know yourself, there isn't a lot of. Uh, I've spent seven years hunting for one, and more or less I came across a chap who just wanted to more or less swap it. The logistics of it, however, were completely and utterly a nightmare. I'm in central Scotland. He is more or less a very loyal customer of Alpha Shop. <laughs> so the distance was a nightmare. So I had to get a bumper, get it painted for him, send it down. Alpha Shop kindly kept the new bumper there from me, sent it back up. Project Halo is working on a new set of headlights. Possibility of them going in. Maybe put some Julia wing vents. I've also got a certain colour in mind, which I don't know if I can bind myself to do, but I'll keep that one under wraps at the moment. But lots of plans. Some may come to fruition, some may not. And when you say keep it under wraps, I assume it will be real paint, not a wrap. Yes, or me being in the body shop trade, <laughs> it's definitely going to be paint, yes. It's been an odd couple of months. What have you been up to with the register during the, the lockdown? Well, with the register, it's more of just done what I've always done. It's kind of keeping on top of it, seeing any new members coming in, seeing what everyone's doing. Now, as I think most people have, they've been out cleaning the car five times a week. And it's great seeing all the pictures of the nice shiny 159s. Keeping in contact with them, a lot of maintenance going on, a lot of re- people actually coming across the rust issues, which I keep going on about, sorry to keep saying about it. The rear suspension on the cars are starting to go now, uh, and I have some horrific pictures, which I will put in the next driver magazine for the 159 uh, column. Um, but it is getting pretty scary. It's almost as bad as the front. So dealing with that, we did have some things, obviously, planned for the 15th year anniversary of the 939 being released. But with all the shows kind of getting closed, there's nothing we can do there now. We'll just have to wait until kind of everything's back up and running and take it from there, I think. Well, I think mo- most of the UK cars started arriving next year anyway, 15 years ago. You see what I mean? So it's yeah, 15, 15 years since 15, it was launched in Italy. but It's 15, la- 15 years since it was launched yeah. um, at Geneva. Um, and then obviously we had to wait on the... I think it was Janu- January or February of the following year when they first started arriving. Yeah, when, when they start, started hitting the, the UK, yeah. So yeah. maybe next year we can have something just as big for them as well, kind of 15, yeah. 16 year anniversary, I think. I know it's difficult because we don't know what will change and when it will change. Um, and it's not even going to be the same 
all over the country. But do you have any plans for for things for the remainder of of this year, or do you think most things are going to now just drop into next year? I think most things are going to drop into next year. I think this year's kind of damage limitations probably the best words to use. Um, let's kind of see everybody's cars. Let's see what's happening with them. Let's kind of let's gear up for next year. I think that's probably the best thing to say. Make next year bigger, better, and one that's worth the wait. And 15th, 16th birthday celebrations aside, any other plans, longer term plans for the register? Well, I've been more, obviously I'm waiting on the new online system coming on. Um, I did separate the register a while back and I want to try and grow it. Historically, it's always been AROC members. And I think to myself, well, there's more than just AROC members that we need to keep track. Obviously, someone that's not part of the, the owners club may have a rare. 159 Q4 TI sport wagon. It's just one of these ones that we need to pay attention to. So whether they're registered, whether they're not registered, I keep track of them. So I, I want to continue to do that. Um, I'm going to start growing the kind of website side of it as well. I'm going to backdate any of the magazine uh, articles that we've had, put that on the register to start with, keep the pictures updated. Obviously the Instagram page is on the go and that gets updated quite a lot the facebook page is just it could be a 24 7 job <laughs> so more or less keep that going uh, and just keep 159 owners happy um as you'll see in the next magazine which is due to come out there was one in particular who was ready to scrap the car um and me being persistent and trust 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 and fix this fix this they're worth on it they're, they are worth keeping he took my advice spent the money and he thanked me um, for it yeah. so if I can save another couple of 159s just by being persistent then I will and I, I know I don't know if you've spoken to Steve Ball who's the 155 registrar Steve uh, I think at one point decided that rather than the register being a register of cars in the owner, owners club it would become a register of all the 155s that were left um, and I think it's even gone beyond that now in that I think he has this kind of mission almost like the pre-war guys, to build a register of every 155 that ever came to the UK. So he knows when they came in and, and what their ultimate fate was. Yeah, uh, how, how many's left sort of thing. And yeah, 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 it could be certainly something. I think at the moment there's, there is still a lot of 159s in the road. Um, so I think at the moment that's it's a big ask. I suppose it would be good to start that now so that in a couple of years' time it's not so hard. But yeah, it's certainly something that we can look at and I think uh, put in place eventually, yeah. And obviously a big 159 fan, but you've had other alphas in the past. Any other alphas you've got your eye on now? Anything you'd like to have? I've always had the hankering for a V6. I've never obviously had one yet. They've all been two little twin sparks. Um, and I'd love a 916 Spider or even a 939 Spider. Um, I just think they're fantastic. At the same time, if I was wanting the V6, it would have to be the 916. Potentially look at a Julieta as a daily car. The 159s now a kind of runabout and a toy for me. Um, so something a bit more kind of along the alpha lines for on the road, but I'll have to wait and see. But if I was for the ultimate car, I would have to be a GT Junior uh, kind of resto mod along the lines of the famous GTAMs that we all know and yeah. love. I think it'd be a 3.2 V6 one, but 
I think you'd have to have very, very, very deep pockets. Yes. <laughs> so that's 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 maybe the drawback with that one. And the only thing which I really wish I hadn't listened to David Faithful's first podcast was the race car. Now, right. how many one five nine race cars? I've been in touch with Paul Plant at Bianco Auto Developments, and he says that there's only one that he knows of. And I'm sitting thinking, thinking to myself, a one five nine sport wagon on the track. That might be nice. That would be very cool. But I'll keep that one. <laughs> <laughs> that that would be cool. And obviously, I've I'd maybe have some ideas for livery and stuff like that. But I'll wait and see. I need to finish the one I've got before I start thinking about stuff like that. I, I was just thinking. I would. I I don't know off the top of my head what the um the Alpha Championship rules are on four wheel drive, but a, a Q four sport wagon race car could be quite a, quite a thing, couldn't it? Yes, it would be. Of course, finding one to start with would be good. <laughs> but <laughs> that would be fantastic. Obviously, heavy car, you're going to have to kind of compensate somewhere in the four-wheel drive would be fantastic around the tracks. I think it would probably scare a few things, but you never know. Possibly one day. Well, in theory, the weight shouldn't be a problem because in the power trophy, it's all it's power-to-weight ratio, isn't it? So you can just yeah up, up the power to compensate for the weight. Yeah, possibly stick with the diesels then, but yeah, <laughs> I do. I do know where there's a 2.4 diesel Q4 sport wagon, mm-hmm. but when, <laughs> whether whether the club's finance director would be willing to allow you to turn <laughs> into a race car, <laughs> don't know. Possibly we could ask. <laughs> Any final thoughts? No, I just obviously like to thank everyone at the club for the podcast for the continuing work. I was always one of these people that. Uh, when you joined, obviously, a car community, you wanted to be able to go somewhere and get free information there. I mean, you see a club and you think, well, oh, I don't want to pay the membership. The best thing I ever did was join AROC. Um, great people, great magazine. Thanks to yourself also there, Guy. Um, and just, more or less, let's keep the club moving. Let's do what it was intended to and I think just kind of keep the full alpha community together. I think that's the most important part of kind of any any other jobs at the club. And obviously being owners, it's what everyone wants. Thanks, Chris. Well, that's it for this episode. In two weeks' time, uh, with motorsport finally up and running again, we'll meet Richard Murtha, who's the Lancashire Section Secretary, uh, Alfa Romeo Driver Contributor, and, of course, the board's Motorsport Supremo. Episode 11 will be available from 1.30pm on the 2nd of August from Podbean, Podcast Addict, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, the Arock website, and all good podcast providers. Until then, stay safe. <laughs>